as you know, if you were here last week, I got all my dates mixed up, and I thought that this week was the community day week. So in the week, I thought, oh, what am I going to do? Um, I got completely confused. I know now today is the 8th. Is that right? Um, and, uh, but the, the Lord really encouraged me in the week and, and um, basically put this word on my heart uh, to encourage us as we head towards next week. Um, and, uh, and essentially, if you have your Bibles, your, your iPads or your iPhones or whatever else you use, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because I want to just talk about the church. And uh, anyway, lovely to see some visitors with us. You're welcome. Trust that you've been encouraged already. Um, and, and I trust, um, if you know the Lord, that this word is for you as well. Um, I'm a great believer that God brings people to church to hear the word. Amen? Um, and, uh, and maybe this is something, um, just a refreshing in our, in our ears. So um, I'm just going to read the whole chapter and then the first verse of chapter 13, and then, uh, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll see what the Lord has to say. So, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, or brethren, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for to one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to, dis um, to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the thank you, darling, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, um, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any lesser part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any lesser part of the body. You still with me? And that's a lot of reading, isn't it? But is it up there? Oh, well done, Dave. If the whole body went, were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. I'm just going to read the first verse. And if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for the body of Christ, the church. Lord, thank you for this wonderful, what some may call an institution, but Lord, what I call it's your body, it's your life on earth being shed abroad in ordinary people who you are working through, living through, expressing your love, your power, your care, Lord, your ministry through. Lord, what an incredible thing we are, Lord, as we come together and be together and work together for your glory. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning that each one of us will know how needed we are to be about, Lord, what you are doing in these days. We need one another. We cannot exist without one another. Lord, and we all have something to contribute, Lord, and I want to pray that you may just speak and encourage our hearts in these days, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 So in this passage, Paul sets out his foundation, um, the first few verses, we're all led by something. Whether you know the Lord or not, we are all led by something. We are sheep, but the Bible tells us, isn't it? We're led here, there, and everywhere, depending on who we are following. And there are really two types of, of followers. There are those that follow Jesus, and there are those that follow the enemy. They might not consciously say that I am following the devil, but essentially the way the world, society, influences us on a path that is set by the prince of power of the air. That's Ephesians 2. And he says this quite clearly. He says, he says, Brethren, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, such, <coughs> excuse me, such as our society is, it is a pagan society, uh, you were led astray to mute idols. Whether you will count yourself in a secular society or in a, an other religions, we are led by... Um, something. However we are led, we are led astray to idols, and those idols could be anything, as we know, in our, in our society. They can be consumer idols, celebrity idols, position and power idols, uh, religious idols. In, in, any, in any case, we serve something. That's his point. He's saying, look, this is the point I want to tell you. When you were pagans, you were led by these, uh, led astray to mute idols. And he says, but I want you to understand that there are signs that show that you are led by the Spirit. 
And he says this, he says, uh, um, no one speaking in the Spirit of God. Now, we should all be, as Christians, and he's putting it in the context of being led by the Spirit. We should all be led by the Spirit. Sometimes we consciously listen to and obey the Spirit. Sometimes we are led without knowing in the Spirit. But there are certain things that we cannot say as Christians, Spirit-filled believers, we cannot say with an honest heart, we cannot curse Jesus. As he's saying, you cannot do that. Now, if there are people that are doing it, it is a sign to show where they're led. He's saying you cannot, in the Spirit, curse Jesus. So say Jesus is accursed. Now, I've said the words, but it's not from my heart. You understand the difference. And he says this. He says, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit. You know whether you have bowed your knee to the Lord. You know that in your heart. Um, and, you know, there are many people that may come into churches and sit in churches who have not bowed the knee to Jesus. Jesus is not Lord. And you can only do that by the empowering of the Holy Spirit. There's no way that I can ever follow God if not he had first come, saved me, filled me with his spirit and given me the ability to follow him. And this is his foundation. And then he goes into this a bit more and he says, look, everywhere that the church operates is an operation of the spirit. So when we read that next passage, how many times did we say um, of the spirit, um, uh, the, uh, through the spirit, according to the same spirit, by the same Spirit, by the one Spirit, etc., um, etc. Et he's, he's making a real point here. Um, boy, do we need the Spirit. Yeah? We cannot exist. We cannot be church without the Spirit. It is a spiritual organi- uh, organism. But he says this, verse 4, I think this is worth pointing out, and we see this, um, the Trinity, the Godhead at work in the church. Now, there are varieties of gifts. This is verse 4 but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in all to everyone. Spirit, Lord, and Father. The whole Godhead at work in the church. Um, And you could take that further if you wanted to. You could look into what those three various activities are. Um, Maybe we might just touch on it. For those who like to study their Bibles, by the way, um, uh, and you want to go and do this in your own time, who know about the chiasmic? Just look. Chai or chai? Chai. Chiasmic structure. Um, If that doesn't mean anything to you, don't worry about it. It's It's not important. But this is full of it. And when you have this structure in the way these words, it points out the important things and what Paul is trying to say. So if you want to study this, you have a look at that and just Google um, chiasmic structures. I find them fascinating. Anyway, so we see gifts of the Spirit, services of of the Lord Jesus, activities of the Father, the Godhead at work in the church. And he's making this big uh, emphasis. He's saying, look, now we start to see in verse uh, 7, to each is given the manifestation, the revealing of the Spirit for the common good. When someone is operating their gifts, they are revealing the Holy Spirit. So if you turn to the person next to you and you say, you say, the, the, no, what should, we, what should we do? Oh, I haven't put this in my, I haven't prepared for this. What should we say? I want to get you a bit kind of moving a bit this morning. Uh, what should we say? So each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Turn to the person next to you and say, boy, there's a manifestation of the Spirit. Oh, come on. Come on, let's be excited about it. Uh, it's, it's lovely when you see people just saying, no, 
No. <laughs> uh, it's good to have fun when we go through the Bible, isn't it? Amen. Anyway, the manifesto to each is given. That's every single person here has a manif- manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And now I, I read into this, and I saw some people say, if you look into that, it means it's for you. No, it's not. The, the common good means the gifts that I have, that you have, are for the good of, of everyone, essentially everyone else. I benefit from the gifts God gives me, but they are not given for me, they are given for us. And I know a lot of this isn't new for anyone. But it is so important that we understand that you have a gift of God that, is, that needs to be expressed. Okay? This is what he's saying. It's not for me so I can go home and feel good about myself. It's so that I can exhibit what the Spirit is doing for the common good. And then he lists some. We're not going to go into, into these, but he lists, and this isn't, there are other lists in, in the Scriptures, but he's saying here, and the point here, they are all expressions of the Spirit. One Spirit, many gifts. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God decided that Jim, and this is what I think about Jim, he might disagree, he won't, has a pastoral gift, right? You don't disagree, do you? Now, now my wife has a prophetic gift, so I believe. You don't, this is beside the point whether you agree, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> she has a gift of discernment. Now, God decided that. And God has decided the gifts that you've got. And he's empowering you with those same gifts. It all comes from him. Now, I don't find much choice in that. But it does say at the end, it does say, earnestly desire the higher gifts. I'll say a bit about that uh, later. And he also says in chapter 14, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So it doesn't say that we can't desire gifts. And ask of God, amen, go ask of God. Um, But with gifts comes a certain responsibility and sometimes comes a certain bit of trouble. Now I can be walking, we were talking about this, weren't we? Um, Sebastian. (laughs) We were talking about, um, uh, I do know Sebastian very well, it's just, uh, we was about when we walked through Soho, because you said the same thing, do you remember? We, Jenna and I can walk through Soho, not that we do this on a regular basis, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, where all the Chinese restaurants are, and then and Jenna go, oh, there's something that, there's something not right going on in that thing there. Or she walk past a car or a house go, oh, there's something not right going on there. And I have no idea. I'll be like, oh, that looks like a nice restaurant. Let's go and eat there, because I see the menu. Jenna will say, no, there's something not right there. There's a spiritual thing going on there. I will never, well, I might do, the Lord might give it to me, but I don't have, and that's fine, because what God has given me, he's given me. And I'm happy with that, because if God thought it was a good idea to give me that, then that's great. But there was a time where I wanted to operate in the gifts of tongues. When I was a young Christian, I said, Lord, I want that, because I feel, I can see in the scriptures, there's a personal benefit of prayer, uh, but also there's a benefit, because there's a prophetic benefit with interpretation, but mainly in terms of worship, and so I would practice and I would ask until the Lord gave it to me. Um, and so 
keep that in mind when, I, when we, we talk about this. But God apportions to each according to his own will. And the important thing is there is, is about, as he goes on next, is I think it comes down to this. We celebrate what someone else has got. We don't look at what they got in envy and think that what they got is better than what we've got. This is where he starts to go in this next passage. For just as the one body, uh, just as the body is one, verse twelve, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were baptized, immersed into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, um, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We are immersed in spirit, and the spirit is is within us. Um, I'd love to look at what that means in terms of the drinking of the Spirit. It's another thing you could chew on, or drink on, I suppose, isn't it? So we, we are all these great expressions of Christ's body. In the next passage, from uh, 14 down to 26, I'm just going to summarize some of these things. We are not all feet. We are not all hands. We're not all heads and legs and eyes and ears as he says verse 16 if the ears should say because I'm not an eye I do not belong to the body um, when, when I grew up in the church when we talked about spiritual gifts in, in my memory and at the time I do remember quite clearly spiritual gifts were always talked about in the context of a meeting the gift of prophecy the gift of tongues the teaching gift or the preaching you know all these kind of things it's always said in that context and then as I sort of grew up to read the scriptures for myself, I realized that the majority of gifts operate outside the context of a meeting. But there was such a big thing of people looking at the office of elder, of the preacher, of the person who led I mean, um, meetings. That seemed to be the highest kind of goal. And, and elders were, were pretty much put on a pedestal as holy people that, were, that had everything that I wanted. Um, now, that might be my personal experience and not anyone else's, but I know from people growing up in church, that was a common thing. In fact, my dad was an elder, for those who don't know, and people would look at me differently because of who my dad was as an elder. Now, if you know my dad, he's, he's, he's not one for like wanting to be anything. In fact, he didn't even, he started the church, he didn't even plant it. He didn't go out thinking, I want to do something. The Lord just said, open up your house, and people started arriving. So it wasn't even that he had these great desires to be something, but what would happen is people would put people on these positions. They, they would, the only reason this is, is, is higher is so that people can see more at the back. But really, you can, you know, some people see that as something that if, if they're on here, they've somehow made it. Um, and, and this is completely contrary to what this passage is about. It's saying, look, there is, there, is, there is equality in all of these parts of the body. The eye cannot be, the, if we was all eyes, we would never hear anything. We'd never be able to say anything. This is his whole point in this passage. And that God, in verse 18, uh, this is a wonderful um, verse to remember, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose so you are an eye because God has chose you to be an eye. He needs you to see. And there are people that see 
things in this church. There are those who are ears because they're the ones that hear, they listen, they, un- they hear. There are people that maybe speak because they're the ones that God has chosen to speak through. Uh, if, I'm, if the Lord's chosen me to speak through, it's not because when I came out, you know, if you want to look at my reports, when I redid English twice and didn't get the exam, the exam, I wasn't a great speaker, learner, or anything. Anything that is related to that is purely of God. Um, some of you are saying, well, that answers a few things, John. Uh, <laughs> but this whole point here is about unity. See, others will understand, others will see, others will recognize things, others will operate in ways that we cannot. That's why we are a body. And we need each other. We need each other to operate and contribute in the gifting that God has given them. And that, that means that we need to, to, to... That has implications, you see, because that means we have to make room for all eventualities of operation. And often, church meetings, when we're meeting focus, and this is where I'm going, when we're meeting focus, if you'll notice this morning, now some have contributed, but the more people you have in one room, the less people contribute. Now, I don't think that when Paul was writing about this, he was thinking about meetings. He was thinking about church. And church is not meetings, but churches have meetings. Yeah? Amen. I know I'm preaching to the choir, literally, probably, that we all, we all know this. But it's good to be reminded because next week, when we start to talk about these groups, this has to be in our mind. It's not groups. What group can I attend? It's what group am I a part of? And there's a big difference between attending and being a part of something. See, there is nothing in the Bible that talks about church attendance. It talks about being church. So um, now I'm, I'm really am preaching now because I'm going off my notes. But this is, this is what it's about, isn't it? Um, God has arranged us in the body as it, as it pleases him. We can't say to someone else that what you have is any less than what I have. It is, it is completely contrary to Scripture. And what's exciting about this is when you start to see and you start to hear how people are starting to discover their gifts. And so the natural response could be, how can we get you to operate in those gifts? How can we do church that sees you start to operate in your gift, to train yourself, to exercise your gifting, to learn, to grow in your gifting? And that that's something where probably like myself, Daniel and Alan have to think very clearly as elders and say, that's the kind of church that we want. Amen? I thought I'd have an amen naturally there, but I didn't, didn't get one. And, and then he starts to make an even further point. He's saying this. He's saying, look, I want to hammer this into you. The eye cannot say to the hand, verse 21, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary... The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow great honour. Now, I don't want to be crude, but there are certain parts of our body that we cover up. Right? Now, those parts of the body we cover up are some of the most important parts of our body. Right? Not only do we do we cover them up for honour's sake and decency, but also for protection. All right? So, and this is what he's saying, quite plainly, he's saying there are some things, like the face, we don't really cover up. Yeah? There are certain things that are quite visible. But to be honest, the face isn't as important as some of the organs that are around here. Yeah. 
And they're the ones that we protect. Our hands are less important than our feet. We cover our feet because generally out of protection, but we don't go wearing hard gloves so that we don't hurt our hands. I know there's practical reasons got to pick up things. But you get the point. There are certain things that in our bodies, and that's what he's saying, in the body, just because some things require maybe some care, some covering, or all these things, it's because they are important, not because they are weak. Uh, It is not the most visible people that are operating that are most, because they are most important, it's just they are most visible. So you might think that what you got is completely hidden. Well, let me just say this to you. You are very important. You must operate in your gifting. And, the, and us as a church need to encourage and care for, and which it's, um, there are some things that need greater care for. And that's why you have um, this where he goes on and says, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that members may have the same care for one another. Now, I need to care for my face, um, clearly. (laughs) But I need to care for my body. I need to care for the insides. So we care for one another. We honour one another, which is why if one member suffers, so we think of Paula at the moment as someone who's suffering because out of love... She's here in the meet. I didn't know you was there. Bless you, Paula. We care for her. We love her because we honour her as a part of our body. Amen. Lovely to see you, Paula. I didn't know you was there, but wonderful. So God is so... You see um, this point. We are all equal. Verses 27 to 30. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping administrate in various kinds of tongues. Now, hold on a minute. We just laid this foundation. It's the work of the Spirit that is at work. We are equal in need, that we need to all operate. We need to find our gifting. There are those that have greater honor, not necessarily those that are visible. And then he says... Um, and God has appointed in the church first apostles. Now, well, hold on a minute. Um, one might say, I'm just using creative language. Well, I'm a, an apostle, so I'm first. Uh, so I don't do that kind of stuff. And then there's the prophet. Oh, well, I'm a prophet. I'm second. Um, and then there's the teachers. Oh, well, you know. One might say, is that what you're saying? And I spent a bit of time um, just considering this and reading up about this until it became very clear to me. And this is what he's saying. The body of Christ, as it grows, as it's built, whatever kind of um, scenario that you might want to have, is that God has certain gifts that operate first. Not first in hierarchy, first in operation. And so some of these verses um, that you might know, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 5, where Paul's talking about Apollos and Paul. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul's servant through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each? I planted, Apollos watered. Paul would talk about building on the foundation. You read it this morning, didn't you? About being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. There's a foundation. So my point here is that God is not talking about Or Paul's not talking about 
the, the order, the hierarchy of those that are more important. Now, I believe God's uh, called me to a teaching, preaching ministry, okay? Again, don't mind if you, don't, if you disagree. Um, come and talk to me afterwards. Um, that does not put me in a hierarchical order. It puts me in a position where you see what your role is. Now, Ephesians chapter 4. Um, if we was to turn to that, you can read. It says, when he ascended on high, verse 6. Uh, was that verse 8? I've got glasses. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. He gave gifts to men or to mankind. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? I'll go on. It says, uh, verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors and teachers to equip the saints in the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So this is about order. When you see how these... The church is built, and how the church is built up, you see how this, is, this order comes into it. And this is what, um, again, if you look at the um, triastic structure of this, it's even more interesting. So you go away and you can look at that. But Paul was a church planter. Apollos was a teacher. Paul started the church. Apollos came along, and he built up the church. He taught the church what it meant. So you can see it in that way. And then after that come the other gifts, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of, of, of tongues. And um, tying this into uh, chapter 12, verse 4, variety of gifts, service, and activities. And again, you can see how these all tie in. You have these gifts, apostle, prophet, teacher that come, and then you have these, work, these um, workings of power and then you have helpings guidances and things so this is my point because i think i'm losing you come tony get settled this is this is a word for you okay i've got your attention when the church gets established by the apostles and the prophets then the teacher starts to teach and then then the gifts start to move in, in, uh, in the helps and, and all these kind of things. And then the power gifts, some might argue, miracles start to happen. And this is my point. We, we need to operate in our gifts in order that other gifts can operate also. Does that make sense? Building upon building upon building. Because one person helps, another person can speak. Because one person cares, another person can do. So you see how we, it's all linked together. It's not just a whole bunch of people doing individual things. Because you brought that word, that led that person to go and do that activity. Because you cared and you showed up at that right time and listened, that person you was listening to was able to go out and to speak. Or do you see it, it's all linked? So because the apostle went out to plant the church and the prophet came in to guide, that's what the prophet does, it guides through the word of God, the teacher was able then to teach because the people had come in and then the, the giftings were started to arise. The pastors started to care and to lead and to guide. And it all gets linked in. That's my point. Link upon link is all linked in. 
Now he says in verse 29, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues? It's again, just laying this point. Just because you don't have that gift, it's you, although you can go and desire it, but God has given you a gift and you need to operate in it. You have to operate in it because that's how God is building the church, not through the people on the stage, but from the people in the seats. Yeah? Now, it's a rhetorical question. Every person who has given their hearts to the Lord, who has received the Holy Spirit and live in their life in obedience to God, has a gift to operate in. Amen. Did you hear that, Tony? Good. Good. See, God may speak, may not speak to you as he's spoken to another. God may not use you as he's using another. And take this passage don't say because you're an eye, you wish to be a foot, or you're nothing because you're not a foot. God needs us all. There are some here, as I said already, are prophetic. Some are not as prophetic. Um, and then verse 31, and I want to read it like this, because in, in my Bible it's split into two sentences. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a better way. Or put it this way. And... Are you earnestly desiring the higher gifts? Well, I'm going to show you an even better way. Better than desiring the higher gifts. Now, I don't know if that's in the Greek or whatever, but I do know that some of the stuff, when you get all these full stops, they're not necessarily there. So we can use a little bit of liberty. Because then he says this, and he goes on, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men, if I, you know, if I allow me to stretch this, because I think this is the heart, if I prophesy, if I teach from the front, if I am, am a church planter or an apostle, or if I'm a prophet or an evangelist, if I'm all these things, but I do not have love, then what does it profit? And uh, I'm just a, a loud noise, a clanging cymbal. And this is where he goes on into 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Now, if we had time, we could, we could go into um, Philippians chapter 2. Maybe we could just quickly go there. Just, to, just so you know, you know these scriptures anyway, but uh, rather than lingering on them, um, chapter 2, verse 1, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, all these things that align with 1 Corinthians 12... Any affection and simplicity complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. See, what can get in the way is when we start to think that my gift is more important, my calling, my office is more important. It has a part to play. But to say that it is, not important, that it is more important is, is wrong. It's about recognizing and encouraging. How do we encourage you to operate in your gifting? How do we create church as a place that highlights the, in, the, the participation of the church? Um, again, I'm not talking about meetings alone. I'm talking about living a life as church. Um, so on these things, I want to just finish with this. Uh, about 13 years ago, because as I was reading this, I read a quote from 2005, which is about 14 years ago. About 30, I think it's about, I can never remember when um, I was uh, asking the Lord whether 
Um, he's calling me to come into leadership. I was amongst a number of elders, and, we, and Philip, who was my brother, was the leader. He was going off to Australia. And I remember being up in London. I was in the boardroom of this uh, business that I was involved with, with a guy called Mike Jones. Some of us will know he was the worship leader at the time. And we were sitting around this table, and I, I, remember, I remember it to this day. I said to him, I said, Mike, I've got a vision for the church. And it was just looking at Eltham as a community, particularly the Page Estate, and with lights all around the community. I probably shared it some time ago. Lights like this. And that led to many things. And it, so in my mind was this sense, which later on in the years, I've said this before many times, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm sending you out. It was this sense of the church in the community. And as you know, five years ago, I shared this again um, but I read this quote, and I should have put it on the screen so you can see it. But, and this was in 2005. And I don't know who this guy is, so you can take it or leave it. But this is what it was said. Many around the world are hearing the same call. Pastor Sung Hee Lee, I don't know who he is, a prominent Christian figure in Korea, has listed some of these transformations that we will see in the 21st century church. The first one is this. Sunday church to everyday church. Now, in other words, Sunday church and not just Sunday church, which is, you know, gets me going. Uh, a great congregation ministry into a small group ministry. These transitions. A gathering church into a sending church. From clergy-centered to laity-centered, or in other words, from the professional, uh, you know, pastors, teachers kind of thing, that, you know, to everybody, ordinary people, ministry centered the authority of the pastor the one who stands up front and says this is how it is this is what you believe this is how you live out your life to leadership of the pastor this is i believe the heart of this this is where i'm going shall we go there together um from discipleship training into apostolic training. And what he means there, I think, is from discipleship about let's learn and grow and sit in our Bible colleges, which is a wonderful thing, and learn and grow to get out there and start churches. And, uh, and, I, and I just read that this week, and I went, yes! And, and it encouraged me, because that's been, I think, the word of the Lord. Um, I'll put it to you for, the last, for, for longer than 13 years. That this is what God is doing. And this is what I believe God is wanting in the, from the church from the very first days when he brought that church by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was us that built big buildings for the sake of the numbers. But the church, when they went from home to home in Acts 2, you can go and read it, they had this live, living church, what it meant to be church. And unfortunately, over time... Um, we, we've changed that to, an, well, I say we, just humanity, has changed that to an attendance into buildings. And I've said this many times, you know this is really my passion, that we see how church, what church looks like when, when we just see a few people, less people, more contribution. Let's fit more in a building, less contribution. Now, I'm all for Sunday church, let me just say that. I love it when we all come together, we sing with all our hearts, we love God, we're fired up, we're encouraged, and then we go about our week, we go back into our groups, these guys in, in my group, we go back and say, right, let's go, let's be church this week. Who can we, who can we encourage? Who can we reach out to? And it's amazing who God will bring into our path when we have that idea. We are church, and when we've had people come in our home, again, I know I'm repeating myself, but I don't mind, um, we've had people come into our church in our open homes and they say, why do you do this? They say, oh, this is church. 
You've come to church. Mark's wife comes to church when she comes to open home. She doesn't think she's coming to church. She thinks she's coming to around my house. Um, but this is church. And now she wants to go to Jerusalem. <laughs> that was funny. I'm sorry. Let me just tell you this story, okay? So Mark, Mark uh, just to put it mildly, Mark loves to talk about Israel and Hebrew and the Old Testament. It's a real passion. It's, it's, you know, he's, he's just entering into that kind of thing. He's got a real passion about that. Um, and his wife isn't a believer, by the way. Yet. Uh, yet. <laughs> but we went out for a meal, and you should have seen, he was like a boy at Christmas. She came out with this. Said, I'd like to go to Jerusalem. He did really well. He did really well. He didn't cry. He didn't jump up and shout, but he controlled himself. Amen. God's at work. But I, I, I know it's a little story. I don't know where I went with that, but. Now more than ever, this is my point, now more than ever, we need to be church in the community. You need to operate in your gifting. We need to, as elders, we need to sit and the leaders in the church say, how do we encourage that participation or that increase of, of opportunity of gifting? How do we do that? How do we do that in our society? In our, and that is really where my heart's at. And I know Alan's in agreement because I know last night he told me that he's talking about this in his group uh, this week. A little bit. Oh, yeah. But he's going to do a much better job. Oh, Esme's doing it in the group this week. Oh, Alan's doing it in the group. Oh. Anyway, so you're not doing it in the group? Alan's doing it. Oh, Alan's doing it in the group. Amen. There's confirmation for you, Al. Anyway, I've gone right off my point here. Now more than ever. You know... We need each other's contribution. Amen? Shall I finish there before I make up anything else? There is. I've got more notes. Next week. See, next week isn't about information. Oh, I had a really good saying that I've forgotten. That's it. It's not about information. It's about inspiration. Which may lead to innovation. Huh? Is someone tweeting that? Can someone do a little picture and put it online with me? <laughs> but it's about saying, about you listening and saying, I'm hearing what Mark's stepping out and starting a group. Um, we're going we're gonna to start a group related to the cafe. There's other stuff going on and things like this. We're going to hear what's going on in the existing groups, hopefully as much as possible, in the youth and everything. And, and we want to hear and say, I want to be a part of that. I could do that. I could help with that. I could, you know, that's right up my street. Oh, hold on, that's just give me an idea. Becky comes to me with all her ideas, and I'm like, go for it. Go and work out how much it's going to cost and come back to me. Go for it. Try. Let's just try. That was the, my message last week when the gym. Try. Let's just try a whole bunch of stuff and see what God does. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I believe in the power of church. When two or three are gathered, God's in the midst of us doing one thing. Amen. Let's pray. And then maybe we could just enjoy the Lord for a little bit with some praise and whatever. Amen. Father, I just want to thank you. I love your church. Lord, I love it because I know it's, it's you expressed on this earth. We are your hands and your feet. Lord, we are your mouthpiece speaking love and acting it, love and being those, Lord, that are revealing you in this day and age. And Father, boy, does this world need it. Lord, and more and more the world gets darker, we will shine even brighter. Lord, and Lord, help us not to compromise, but to keep on this with the truth. 
Lord, knowing that you have got your spirit in us to manifest through us and maybe celebrate what others are doing. Come together and see how that uh, body works, Lord, as we follow you, as we're led of you. And so, Lord, I want to pray for each one of us here and those not here today as well. Lord, particularly for next week, that we would be encouraged by what you're doing and the potential of what you're going to do, Lord, amongst us as a church. So, Lord, I want to thank you for this time. Lord, and thank you for what you say about the body. And thank you, Lord, that you've made us a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.